0: Oh my goodness! How are you? I
1: am good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy to see you too. Welcome to the Lift One Self podcast, Andrea. I'm thankful you're here with me.
0: I am so thankful for you to having me. So happy to be here just talking we've been we've known each other for some time now and it's just always a pleasure and a hug to be here with you even though we're not together in form it's just like amazing I can feel your energy and your hug through you know through our voices and through I'm um, seeing you even though people will not will not be able to see but um I can just feel the hug so I'm just like super, super grateful and ready to
1: start. I love it. I can feel your hug too. I'm, I'm sitting in the memory of 2019 because that's the last time that we were able to see each other physically and share a hug. Let's take a breath together. Breathe in through your nose. Hold it. Gently release. And let's drop into this moment how is your
0: heart doing great it's just like in total calmness and stillness so good what can you thank covid for oh my goodness the ability to pause and just be in a space where you cannot run from wherever you are and numb and understand that the that home is always in your heart that even though we couldn't touch each other I never felt like so connected to people beyond the form of being together you know and that at the end of the day it was like home was right here and within me so it was very very interesting and not being able to, to spend money to, you know, like really numb with a lot of things that we were used to. Like I couldn't, I could not live without traveling or I could not live without a new pair of shoes or we could, and we survived. And uh, it was, it was very hard, but at the same time for me, it's been a learning of, oh my goodness, letting go of my office of my, you know, like the form space and just create new things in order to adapt and the ability to adapt to stuff we we could all adapt to new ways of living so we thought we couldn't you know so that, that was interesting
1: it was it was I want to ask you what is something that people misunderstand about you that you wish that you just would like to clarify
0: Um, I think that because I am a super doer and a super, super superstar in some, at so many levels, and I'm always doing stuff and very creative and I can solve people's problems very easily. Like, oh, this is, you know, like it's, it's like my head is mapped. It's just constantly mapping, you know, that there's no feelings or there's no like a lot of deep, processing that it's not related to the head that it's not related to be superwoman it's just related to some struggles sometimes you know and some yeah that deep 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 feeling you know that that I need things to and need connection to you know so I would say that um that's the biggest misunderstanding or maybe that's just a, proje- a projection in my head but um that's what I feel like it's more misunderstood
1: you find sometimes people don't see that you're human yes a lot of times (laughs) yeah what does intimacy look like for you (sighs) that's a tough question I mean
0: we always talk about intimacy but what is it it's like for me it's that part like that you're mentioning about vulnerability you know be able to be vulnerable with someone you know that's it's not even i mean it could be described in different in different nuances you know like it could be intimate because you're naked with someone like physically naked or intimate because you are your soul is naked you know so that connection in vulnerability with all our flaws and all without any clothes without any makeup without any anything at the end of the day that is intimacy be Able to, to be naked in our most raw selves, and in, in vulnerability. You know, like that. That's it. You know, we connect and we're intimate just through showing how if you feel how I feel. Like you were saying about how we women have been oppressed, and just like intimacy is the ability to go within myself in order to connect with you. In a naked way, you know, in a very raw
1: and and simple way without any adornment. Yeah. Yeah. How do you uh, strengthen the intimacy with yourself? I would say that I'd spend a lot of time
0: alone and just questioning and deconstructing for myself. Like, let's say when you ask me what is intimacy for you it's just like, I really have to go, what does that mean for me? I could give you like, a you know, a general concept, but for me, so every time people really try to get to me, I try to get intimate first, like, hmm, what is that? You know, how does that look for me? So I'm constantly going within to understand my inner reality. You know, we're just so so caught up into the beliefs or or the concept that everybody tells us you know and I'm just like so not against I'm just like let's question you know and I'm always questioning like is this really what I'm feeling or is this what I'm supposed to be feeling because you know if I lose someone everybody's like oh are you sad because it's no you know I'm, I'm i could be sometimes but i also feel a lot of things you know so it's very interesting for me and i'm always like questioning you know uh, is that how i feel is am i really hungry am i really cold uh, you know kind of thing how is just like questioning myself really tapping into whatever i'm feeling in the moment you know so it's it's a constant work that it has become very not automatic because it's intentional But the intentionality behind everything
1: has become the automatic pilot, you know? Mm -hmm. The question, yeah. It's not all elated and blissful. The blissful is being able to accept, I got some shadow parts and some things that I don't understand that I'm still learning about myself. And it's still a process, even though I would like to have that sense of perfection and this sense of arrival I know that that's an illusion that I, I, there's still more depths of being human. And every time when my defense mechanisms come up, I have to remind myself that I'm safe to be honest with me. I don't need to reject or push away the things that feel uncomfortable because of the experiences or or other people's um, perceptions or judgments that I have to be able to sit in that honesty. And that can take a lot of work for me sometimes Because it's, you know, we don't realize how many layers it takes to be honest. We have a lot of traps that it's more easier to lie in this world than it is to be honest. And so to get to that honesty, that's intimacy. To be transparent with yourself, that is where to have that ability to stand in that truth. So that when you show up with another person, you're not in the agenda of what the expectations or what you were kind of grasping for and all that. It's work to be intimate, cultivating time in there where a lot of people are like, no, 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 that's not. And it's like, it's not the other person that makes you intimate. It's you have to go within yourself and reveal that. And when you're with another person that allows you to be safe, to reveal the messiness, that is beautiful partnership and intimacy. And that doesn't always have to be in a sexual way. We can do that with our family members, our friends. We Sometimes you can actually do it with a stranger more than you can do it with people that you know, because you know they're going to walk away. And so they give you a safe space to connect more deeper with yourself. And that's just how I see it.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, many, many times we can be sexual with someone and not being intimate, you know. Because we're just there like, okay, he wants it or she wants it or whatever, you know. So we're just like in the task, you know, sex becomes another task. And it has nothing to do with intimacy. And I can be more intimate, like, let's say right now with you in this space that we're not even in the same country. And I can be more intimate with you than whoever I slept with last night, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's very, it's, it's very interesting because we all have these beliefs of how it should look like, because we've heard the concept that it should mean this, you know, but uh, really, are we really, I think words are just like so messy in in terms of somebody said that this was called a phone, but it could have been called anything, you know, (laughs) Really? So I think we we just use it for lack of better way to express. But um,
1: words are super different for everyone,
0: you know? They are.
1: And I think that's where it becomes really great when we can get into communication and ask, well, how do you define that? Instead of coming to the prejudgment that everybody is using the right definition for words, because a lot of the ways that we use words... We're not using it in the proper way of definition. When the twins are, you know, discovering and asking about English, they're like, why did they make this language so complicated? Like one word can have so many different definitions and depending on tone and this and that. Like, why did they have to complicate it all? I, I see where we can run into each other if we don't take a moment to allow context and allow emotions. An experience.
0: You know, I'm always, this is, this has been like a question that I have since I was a little girl. And it's like, are you what I call blue? I know we have an understanding that that's color blue, but do you see it the way I see it? You know, I'm always trying to understand like i could i wish i could go into your brain for just a minute and see how you see blue you know is it the same experience as mine probably not but we just agree that that was color blue but we see it in different um a different color a completely different color what i call blue you could be you know seeing red but we agree that that's called blue you know what i mean yeah it's, uh, so for me it's fascinating to understand that human experience so personal and so individual and so so it should be honored the way every each one of us experience life experience period why did you choose psychology you know, that my first, I don't know if I've shared with you before, but um, my first career is economics.
1: Yeah. I remember you saying the finances and going in, can you share why economics and what transitioned? Actually, it was like, it was not even a question.
0: I ne- never questioned myself. I I, I made those tests that, that make you take on when you're in last uh, grade of school in the test that they said, like, you can be a f- whatever you want to be, but Finances finances, um, lawyer or a psychologist, you know, like top three. And I was like, oh, my goodness, no finances, because my father had, you know, was in the economic business and, you know, in business. So I was like that. That was like, you know, no question. But I was 16 when I entered the university. So I was like super, 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 super young. And yeah. no, absolutely no way that I could just, dec- oh, you, anyone can decide it. So, yeah. Anyway, there I went, <laughs> you know, but I was like, oh my goodness, numbers are so not my thing. And it didn't matter if I spent like 24 hours, like really trying to understand an equation or, you know, it's just like not me. And one day, one of my friends, I was like, you know, I I switched careers and now I'm in psychology. Do you want to see my curriculum? And I was like, sure. And I started reading and I was like, oh, my goodness. Every class? I was like, this is oh, my goodness. I want to learn about this, you know? So uh, that's how I made the, the shift. And I started psychology. I was like, I think I had just, yeah, just one year left of economics. And then I switched. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I have to go you know? So off I
1: went. How long have you been a psychologist? I've been a psychologist for 25 years. That's a long, that's many decades, many stories, many being able to peek into the human behavior and, and see how we're very similar at the root of things. It just looks Painted different in our human dynamics, yet in the core of it, a lot of similarity that we're just, it's difficult to make sense of it and also show the vulnerability of it.
0: And this is so interesting now, because we were talking about just like different experiences and how we could never understand other people's experience, because one of the greatest causes of suffering, Natalie, for me it's. I mean, for me, what I've seen and heard for 25 years of people just lovingly sharing their stories with me, it's like the common denominator is that nobody feels understood. Nobody. Because I want you to see the reality the way I see it. So I get frustrated and I suffer because you don't understand me. You don't get me. You don't see me. You don't. It's like very frustrating. And at the end of the day, I think just healing is just understanding that we could never do that. You know, nobody could do that for you, even though I tried. That doesn't mean that I don't love you. It's just that it's so different. We, we've had so many different experiences, so many different wiring that it's just impossible to understand other people's
1: opinions or experiences at at the end of the day, you know? Mm -hmm. What I'm learning too, in my own experiences is the deep listening. It's the work to not want to interfere or fix things, allow people just to express their story. And that's where a lot of people don't feel understood because they get cut off or they're not able to speak in a, a way that it can start to make sense for them. They've always been kind of told, well, your truth doesn't make sense. So it's not true where it's like, "Yet yeah, this was my experience. Sometimes people have a misconception that psychologists have it all together and, you know, they're not human and they don't go through anything. What are three things that you consistently use to support your mental well-being? Well, first, movement. I start with the
0: body. Movement, movement. I think if our body is in parasympathetic, it is just way easier to connect with the head, you know, and to regulate emotions. So I always start with the body whenever... I'm feeling something, I try to move like the energy of my body just to calm down and tune into my parasympathetic. So that's always, I try, I, I try to always have a little bit of movement, you know, around my day. Uh, second, and this is one of the most important things, is just have connections, have community, have friends, you know, like someone that can you can be intimate with, or you can just laugh and gossip, you know, but at the end of the day, it's the human experience of someone seeing you as a human being with your flaws, not in your, you know, not in your role of being a psychologist or being a coach or being a lawyer, you know, or being whatever you are. Um, But seeing you really deep, you know, into trying to connect with your with yourself, with your soul, with who you really are behind the knowledge so that that would be second. And third, find a lot of space to pause and breathe. I could, that doesn't mean that I meditate like two hours every day. No, it's just like sometimes I'm just driving or I'm just even walking while I'm moving and I try to be very mindful of my breathing, of being calm. So if you see like the three things that I really do are just very based on creating spaces of pause, spaces of connection
1: with me or with the other. And just like we did at the beginning of the podcast, sometimes we'll forget to just with our transitions, let's take a breath for a moment so we can wipe away whatever what there is and just drop into this moment and be intentional. I've been doing that with the podcast just to really reintroduce. And remind ourselves, because imagine when if going into meetings and all these different things going into the bank or all this, we just take a moment, let's breathe together so that we can just interact in a different way, have those pauses in a world where technology is speeding things up so much that everybody wants instant gratification. And and we can forget to build those pauses because transitions, if you're not intentional with it, you don't realize you're bringing all the stuff and just you know, tumbling into one, into another, into another, until it becomes so confusing that you don't know where you are or who you're with or what's going on inside yourself. Taking those those pauses isn't intentional and it, it takes reminders and it's a practice. Before we started uh, rolling the podcast, we were speaking about grief and how much more depth there is, Yet a lot of people have, I I feel a very superficial definition of grief is only when you've lost a loved one, or um, an animal, a form base, and you know we hold space very limited space for that because you know some people could have lost their parents and you know two weeks later people are like, are you over it yet? And it's like, oh, wait a minute, we were speaking about the grief that we experience on the day-to-day. Could you give what you are, you know, defining grief and how you're experiencing it and, and what you're exploring it?
0: It's interesting that we just got into grief and stuff because uh, before entering that space, we were speaking about transitions, you know, how to transition to one space through another. And just by the simplest transition, we are already losing something. So for me, um, grieving is just the mourning, the understanding that something is lost, at least the way it was before. May that be form or maybe that energy. Like I could be mourning or grieving right now the energy I had this morning when I woke up and now I'm starting to feel a little bit tired, you know? So I, that's a transition. And that's not, not that we should be grieving everything, every single thing in our life, you know, uh, or it's a big grieving, but at the end of the day, we're just like, but just by the, the, the fact that we're transitioning every time we're losing something every single moment. So, there lies the importance of the transition, you know, of saying goodbye to the previous moment, goodbye to my black hair and hello to my white hair, you know, or gray hair and uh, goodbye to my precious skin, you know, and now it's just entering a new stage where I have to do a little bit more than I did before, you know? So those things that we, just um, that are not really formed in terms of what we're used to call grieving for. Even those things, sometimes we need to make a pause to start transitioning from one stage to the other, you know, like menopause, like every single, like, yeah, it's just a transition, you know, from one uh, work or job to the other um moving, like things that could be also exciting, but there's also grieving on the change, you know, because the change, we always, in change, we always grieve for something, even when we're going for something better that we have yet to know, you know, it's, it's just like, be, because it's the unknown, we need to grieve before ugh, going to the next one.
1: I think sometimes grief gets a bad rap and it's misunderstood in certain communities. They do it very well yet in the broader of our communities, like you said, like everybody's talking about winning and growth where it's like, okay, there's, there's a loss, like the other side of the coin, there's a loss and we have to be able to acknowledge that too. So you can make sense of what's the conflict that's going on inside you, like always getting your way. And then when you don't, Oh, boy the monsters come out well the monsters come out cuz you didn't allow yourself to know there is loss and you're going to have to experience that it's part of life it it's built in and there's no escaping that and yet it's the
0: thing that we don't talk about ever you know even though it's it's we like i was saying we lose every time we lose the second the energy the every like every single second we're losing something you know yeah. we're Kind of dying, you know, losing skin, changing skin, like every single second of our lives. And yet, nobody says anything. And when you start speaking about it, it's like you were talking about, I don't know, something. (laughs) What? Don't talk about that. Like you were talking about politics
1: or sex in the middle of a dinner, you know? Like it's just like. You know, it's superstitious you're gonna bring it on it's an omen it's and it's like what do you mean like this is built into life like why are you acting like the elephant isn't in the room like come on now let's what what is and you, and you, a, I, feet, you know like
0: tooth or you just lost a hair we're losing constantly you know
1: you like to see as conversations
0: i would say loss i would say you were speaking about honesty and that made me like that resonated with me in terms of in order to be honest with someone else we need to be honest with ourselves just like the intimacy and honesty sometimes means staying quiet not because you lost your voice It's because being honest means that the other person is not really ready to listen to what your authentic and honest voice. Being honest, sometimes it's just like walk away because the other person that you have in front of you is not understanding what you're saying, you know, so that's more honest than trying to bringing up the truth. You know, so sometimes we misunderstand honesty. So I think that not every person is ready to listen to our honesty or or, our truth. So, you know, that's another conversation and transitions in life, transitions in life in terms of everything. Like when your kids go to college and you start losing the role, you know, transitioning into another. It it doesn't mean it's sad again, but you need to acknowledge it you know, mm-hmm. your, so transitions in, like, how are you feeling because you are changing jobs, even though it's a great opportunity, you know, how is that, or, or you moved from house to house, you know, so everybody assumes that because you moved, means that you are happy, you know, and part of you is, but it's also a transition, like, oh, I recently moved, this is why I'm, I'm speaking about this, but just like i lived in my house for 12 years you know the the previous house so even though i am in a very amazing the most amazing apartment you know and it's uh uh, beautiful and stuff that doesn't mean that i was not you know having feelings around the transition of living there my memories and Uh, a lot of things that I accomplished in the other place, you know, which didn't mean that it's one thing or the other. I was feeling both. Yeah. And transition, just like, let's say menopause. I recently started menopause. We know we're all going through it, but there's no conversation. Like my, I can feel that my smell changed, Mm -hmm. that my hair just changed. So I'm grieving because I used to have this beautiful hair now it's just like, oh my goodness, takes a lot of time to make it shiny or your skin. Um, um, the other day I was walking, I had to wear a hat because I was thinking about my skin that gets this dark spot, <laughs> you know? So you start really transitioning into another space, the, the gray hair and should I dye it or not? It's just like those decisions that, we are all experiencing at a certain age that we're not talking about. How does it feel to lose your period all of a sudden, you know, or to lose your sex drive, your, you know, everything. That doesn't mean that you're, you don't feel attracted to to someone. It's just like, it's not, am I dying? Like, you know, like, oh my goodness, my my body's literally dying kind of thing, you know? So those transitions on how to restructure your life, Around a foreign body that doesn't respond the same. those conversations, Nat, it's just we have to be open to have them to, yeah, just like in, in intimacy, you know, like, oh my goodness, my skin doesn't smell the same. Like you know, like my hair doesn't smell the same or I don't have the same taste e- even, you know, like little things that I've been noticing because I'm always like curious about myself. Mm-hmm. I'm like just noticing, you know, like, oh my goodness, the face cream that I used to use like forever, is just not doing anything to my skin. It's not hydrating my skin. It's just like, what? And we do not have these
1: conversations. If, is it natural? Is it happening yeah. to you too? You know? Yeah. Like you said, it's, it's being able to open up the conversations that no more that we have to kind of second guess That we should feel like it's a taboo that you don't talk about that. Just keep it to yourself and deal with it. It's like, no, this is a human body that we're all navigating. Why can't we not talk about this stuff? Like, it's not an inconvenience. These are real things that go on. And let me have some, a type of normalization. That I don't have to feel alone. And if there is other people not feeling this, then maybe this indication that I need to seek, um, help from the medical field to find out some information. Yet if I don't have to go bombard the medical field and I can just talk to sister friends, even some males that had sisters that experienced, cause just because a male can, hasn't, um, doesn't physiologically go through it, it doesn't mean that he hasn't heard stories around him where he's like oh yeah my sister or my friend or or whatever and we can kind of forget to bring the both sexes in conversations too that it's like oh you just wouldn't understand and it's like how about you try a person first
0: no and actually sometimes when men are very interested in women they they're very well educated on the <laughs> more well educated than we are so sometimes it's it's easier to find a man that knows better about the woman's
1: body than we ourselves do you have children no I don't (laughs) no I don't have children (laughs) can you explain the choice for that well
0: at, at an early age I would say very I mean I started to develop this metabolic problem my body started to produce tumors you know so they had to take you know, like from surgery. So I was left only when one quarter of an ovary. So the doctor by then told me, you know, uh, you need to think about having kids soon because your ovarian reserve is very small. I, again, questioned myself and went within (laughs) and looked for help, you know, of, of my therapist back then. After just a few sessions, it wasn't that much. I just uh, concluded that I was not going to have kids because I couldn't have kids. That was back then. And I never thought about it after, you know, it was just like a decision, a very conscious decision, I would say at the moment. And then, okay, that was the decision. And it was just like not question after, you know, so that was the reason, you know. It's interesting that because my I did my master's um, thesis on the definition of femininity, like what made us be a woman, like define yourself as a woman, you know, and that was one of the questions because I wanted to see because of my own. That's how, that was an, uh, I haven't thought about it in a long time, but that this decision I made of not having kids was like, um. Part of the processing what was why I chose that topic, you know? Like, what is the definition of being a woman, you know? And, um, of course, a lot of people uh, said that, or a lot of women said that it was because of biology. Another, like, it was a big, big, big uh, sample that said having kids, you know, that, that was like the realization but at the end in the study, it was only the belief that that made you a woman that, you know, it was not because a lot of, of the, those women said that wouldn't have given the choice after having kids, like now they're older, they would they would have chosen not to. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that's, oh, yeah. very <laughs> that's very interesting.
1: That's very interesting. Yeah. And, and I just wanted to empower some of the women that are, you know, rumbling and they don't have spaces because what's wrong with me just saying, I don't want to have kids and everybody's trying to change my decision for me or, or trying to. And so sometimes I, like you said, the honesty, I'm just going to stay silent because you cannot hear my own truth because you believe that your way is more important than what my own decision is for myself, that you have a higher, like understanding of things. And like, as if I'm not in tune with myself, like I'm going to miss out on something. And I I see that a lot more in the culture and society of things. When I was young, I made a decision. I didn't want to have kids and I wanted to be a child psychologist. Yet I didn't follow the child psychologist thing. So as life would have it, I had kids. And so when there's frustrations that come up with the kids, That 13 year old that said, you made a decision not to have kids. And then I have to sit with like, I didn't honor that choice that I made. Yet I also see too that I didn't honor to be a child psychologist. So the two decisions, it it, it evolved in a different way. And so it's like, okay, well, you don't want to do it this way and you don't want to do it that way. Yet it has to come out in some way. So you have an understanding. I can appreciate that when you make a decision, it's to stand in and not create more suffering of the what ifs. Because, again, we're talking about the loss.
0: Yes. And also I would say that little Natalie at 13, of course, had a reason to say, I don't want to have kids. But you don't know. No, I mean, I could change my mind tomorrow, you know, and say, no, I really want a kid right now at 47. Maybe. No, I do want to have a kid right now and I could adopt. It's just like, don't get married to the idea that you are fixed and that an idea that you had like 20 years ago is the same idea that you have now. You know, it that's very and also very empowering for people like for your friend that they like for now. No, let's see tomorrow you know yeah it changes yeah it changes because the other it's just like okay maybe she will decide but they don't try to convince you you know yeah and uh so that's like oh today i'm deciding not to have let's see tomorrow you know whatever like you don't have to make fixed choices unless you decide to be a mom then you're going to be a mom forever but you know it's it's um It's just like staying in present moment and that that could change. I never, you know, see myself as when people like try to ask you or ask me, like, are you heterosexual, homosexual, non-binary or whatever the spectrum is? You know, I'm like, today I'm heterosexual. Tomorrow I might be gay or the the next day I could be non-binary. I don't know
1: you know, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. For me, it was the deconstruction of seeing the influence of having children, because of religion, because of other people. So I could see the choice of children was influenced heavily by others, that it wasn't a grounding of my own choice. So that's why when the 13 year old comes up, and it was like, You made a decision not to do this. And, and so the deconstruction of that and being honest that, okay, but you made a choice to be a mom. So you have to show up in this too, even though at 13, you, you know, you saw certain things. And so for me, it was just that deconstruction and be able to, you know, some, some people that are parents haven't done that deconstruction to, to understand, like, why are you a parent? A lot of people are just, oh, well, I became a parent because that's the thing you do. And it's like, oh, oh, really? Are you sure about that? Like, do you see where maybe sometimes you can rustle into things because you haven't really seen, was that a choice for you or was it influenced by a lot of culture, which we're always influenced by culture? I just did the deconstruction for myself to really understand that. And so when those waves come up, I'm like, you still made a choice. I understand the promise and the commitment that you wanted to make, yet there were other influences and you made that choice. So don't come saying, you know, culture and this and I did it for that. It's like you still stood by your choice, even though, you know, and that's what it is. And we
0: can always give it back. Like the questions, we can always give it back. Sometimes when I'm really tired and someone still asks me, and I'm like, oh, I see it makes you uncomfortable that I don't have kids. Tell me about that, you know? Yeah. Because it's not about me. What do people care? You know, like,
1: <laughs> yeah. it's
0: not like they're paying or non paying my, you know? So, anyway, it's just like sometimes you can give like the question but because it, the question is about them. What yeah. about Some a woman not having kids
1: makes you uncomfortable? I'm going to have you reflect and bring yourself back to when you were 18. And I'm going to ask you to take this awareness and speak back to that 18-year-old. What are three words you would tell that 18-year-old? Trust yourself before you trust someone else.
0: You hold so much power and it will reveal and
1: you are strong and important. Is there anything that you would like to bring forth to the listeners?
0: Uh, I would say that I, I would like them to leave this space for now, knowing that we are just human experiences, you know, don't try to make yourself be understood by the other or don't try to understand the other. Just it's. I think human suffering is just about acceptance of those experiences that come from a million of causes and effects in the other in the other's life. So um, as long as we can just honor that, we—I mean—the world would be so much closer. I'm not saying we will not haven't have any problems or differences it would just be very loving and connected and we could actually grow and evolve more by accepting that we just have different experiences and we can learn from someone else's experience but don't try to understand with your her- with your with your head all the time but come from
1: an awakened heart to a discerning mind all the time. I like that. awakened heart to a discerning mind all the time. It's that integration of always tapping
0: into your heart first, but understanding, you know, then just like connecting it with logic, with discernment at the end of the day. So, always from an awakened heart from love to a discerning mind to understand who this this concept about honesty about laws about you know they all come first from from this open heart to then discern who am i talking to is this person going to be able to understand what i'm saying or at least open to understand the difference so, always, always from
1: an awakened heart to a discerning mind. Where can the listeners find you?
0: My email is Andrea Gonzalez, both Z's and Gonzalez at ufm.edu. So, if you want to connect, you can write me an email and I will be responding. I'm happy to
1: have your emails. Thank you. And I'll make sure to put it in the show notes so they, uh, can know where to connect with you. Perfect. I want to thank you for being on the podcast, for having an open hearted conversation that was intimate and vulnerable. I really appreciate being in your energy. It's been, we've been connecting yet to do it in this way. And I look forward to when it can be in person and share a really tight hug. I really do appreciate everything that you are and what you bring into this world. You are so appreciated, Andrea. Thank you so much for having
0: me. Thank you so much for your words. Um, I really enjoy our conversation too and look forward to keep connecting in any shape or form that we can. So um, just be good and from love. Remember,
1: be kind and soft with yourself. Yes, always. Thank you. Thank you for making it all the way to the end. I appreciate you and your time. If you found anything that was relevant, or perhaps there's somebody that you think can benefit from this podcast, please share it out. Help grow the community. Help grow Lift Oneself. You can find more information on our website at www.liftoneself.com. Until next time, be sure to be kind and soft with yourself. You matter.